Holly G with the Golf Insiders. He's back from two weeks at Jack's Place, Muirfield Village. And wow, we have a new number one in the world rankings. Todd, what a tremendous finish by John Rahm. Todd Lewis joining us from the Golf Channel. Hi, Holly. How are you? Fantastic. What a difference two weeks makes. Yeah, in, in regards to John Rahm the week before and then at the Memorial or at the golf course, there's a lot of things. The fact that we're serving milkshakes last week and not the previous week at, at Muirfield, it was, you know, it, it was it was an interesting two weeks. Um, you got guys um, who could go super low, not that John can't, uh, but Colin Markow was one of the better iron players out there on the PGA Tour and is going to have an incredible career, in my opinion. And Dustin Thomas has already proven that he's a really strong player on the world stage. So that that going into playoff was incredible. And then John pretty much dominating the weekend. Uh, he did have a little hiccup on 16 uh, with an unintentional rule snafu. But um, he has slowly built... I shouldn't say slowly. He has moderately built his game and his attitude and his emotions into becoming you know, what is obviously now the best in the world. Yeah, I was so impressed with him. And, you know, quite honestly, Todd, we talk about this week to week. Just so impressed with these young players, their poise, their thoughtfulness. Uh, you know, John's somebody that wears his heart on his sleeve. We've seen that. We've seen that passion, you know, uh, much like we used to with Sergio. But he's really seemed to um, temper himself, really stepping into um, his maturity as a player, and it really showed on Sunday on a fantastic, tough, open-like golf course. It did, but at the same time, John is still true to himself. I, I really am, to be honest with you, bugged by people who say, John Rahm needs to control his emotions, or Justin, or excuse me, Jordan Spieth needs to keep his emotions in check and so on i like to ask those people if they didn't have that passion and those emotions would they be where they are in the world both the number former number one well current and former number ones in the world i mean no they would not uh the, the thing that you have to do is that you have to manage that emotion um without letting go of it and not being you know false have a false identity uh, interestingly in john's case He's been working with a guy in Spain who's a mental coach, who's been a mental coach with other athletes in Spain and other CEOs on the world stage as far as business goes. But prior to that, he had a variety of jobs, including a professional basketball player and some other odd jobs. One of those jobs was a bomb technician. He would clip the wires to defuse a bomb. So this mental coach obviously knows what pressure's about. Um, and he has worked with John for five years now. And trying to have him, yes, have a release valve if something goes wrong or you hit a bad shot. But then after that, just drop it. Just lay that down and move on to the next. And John had struggled with that for a number of years. But I think over the last year or so, he's really, really been focused in on not carrying emotions around that are negative on the golf course. And it's paid off. I think we saw a moment, right? A moment on the back nine where... Um... It, you know, could have um, maybe the former John could have imploded, but seemed to gather himself. And like you said, if he's been, you know, working with this coach, 
um, really got, you know, refocused and, um, you know, got it done, as they say. Yeah, he had a five-shot lead walking off the 10th green, I believe. Then he double bogeyed the 11th, uh, if I'm not mistaken. He had a double bogey for sure. He went double bogey bogey there, and then suddenly Ryan Palmer was back in the mix. Um, but you're right, and that and that's a sign of a champion is is if things start going wayward as golf does, because it's the pursuit of perfection that's never attainable. <laughs> you know, then recapturing your focus and and trying to complete the goal that you started your day with. And in this encounter, it was, you know, trying to finish at even par and ultimately win the tournament. Um, we, a lot of talk the last few weeks about Bryson DeChambeau, um, missed the cut, uh, had this crazy 10 on, I've forgotten now what hole it was. It was on the front nine, right? The par five. It was actually on the 15th hole. 15th. Okay. Yeah. The par five is reachable. Um, you know, we don't normally uh, see, um, a, uh, double, whatever you call it, <laughs> quad. It's a quintuple quintuple bogey. Yeah. Um, did you talk to Bryson afterwards? He didn't talk to anyone. <laughs> uh, he refused any media requests, um, which is understandable. He was, you know, he's... He was running a bit hot. Uh, I, and to be honest with you, and I like Bryson a lot, and I think he's a world-class player. And, and to be honest with you, you could make the argument prior to last week that he is the best player on the planet. Um, but he, you can make that same parallel with Bryson that you can with John Rahm, and that if it wasn't for that emotion, that passion, that identity of him as a great golfer, you know, he wouldn't be where he is. But sometimes those emotions can get the best of him. Uh, I, I think. I, I don't know if your listeners watched, but he hit it to the hazard, into the hazard on the left, and then he pulled out what looked to be at least a five wood, of, or maybe a hybrid, a free hybrid, and decided to go for the green. Had to draw it, and yeah, I couldn't figure other. out what he was thinking. Well, I think I, I think to be honest with you, and Bryson probably, and this is just my opinion, but I think Bryson has this newfound power and strength that somehow gives him a false sense that he can do things that he can't, mm. if that makes any sense. Sure and I think that in his mind, he felt like he could do that. And after he hit the first one out of bounds, I, I don't mind that as much, but the second one, like, um, how about laying up now? Uh, you know, you obviously can't hit that shot, uh, but he decided that he was going to do it. And then he did it a third time. I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, he hit the same club three straight times and two of them went out of bounds. So, yeah, again, hey, it's like, all these great players make mistakes. Bryson is, has far many more positives than that one negative. Um, you know, so he's, he's on a phenomenal stretch, and I, I think he could threaten John Robbins, the number one player in the world. So he'll learn from it. He's still young. He's still very young. Um, just like if you remember last year at the players, John Robb had the lead Absolutely. on the 11th hole. You yeah. know, his, his caddy was saying, lay up, lay up. No, I'm going for it. That's the same thing, ironically, on the 15th hole that Part five that Bryson went through. So, I was you know, right there when it happened too, and couldn't believe what he was doing. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, so look at those parallels. And yeah. So Bryson will probably learn from it as John did, and 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 grow from it. And the Golden Bear, in his wisdom, just sort of said, "He's going to learn when to dial it down a little bit," <laughs> as right. as only Jack would. 
Right. And, you know, they, Bryson is, is a lot of the great young players out there on the PGA Tour. Grew up watching Tiger hit these incredible shots that he was able to pull off many more times than not. And, you know, and sometimes they can. Sometimes they can hit the hero shot. You know, I will say this about Bryson. He was one over par. He was, you know, he was sort of on the fault line of missing the cut. So maybe in his mind, hey, hitting the hazard, I got to go for broke. So, you know, I don't really fault him for that either. You know, again, it's a mistake. It's, it's, it's letting his, his emotions maybe get the best of him sometimes. And, you know, so it, he'll, he'll grow. He'll continue to emotionally mature through this. And, and, and when that happens, look out. He's going to be a powerful force. He appeared, he is. He appeared Todd, to be um, a little stiff or um, – he was walking a little bit oddly yeah. towards the end. Any anything going on there? You know, frankly, don't know. We didn't talk to the media, as I said. Um, and it was very evident the last, you know, couple it, on the green, the last couple right. holes. And uh, again, Bryson knows his body as much as, as anyone. But I have said, you know, where, where's stamina fit in all this? Sure. Because yep. you know, if you're going to play that many rounds. Um, you're super strong, I get it, but, you know, where are you come September, October, when, well, September for sure, when you're, you know, playing the U.S. Open, just got through playing the PGA Championship and the FedEx Cup playoff, so that's something that maybe he'll have to manage a little better. Again, this is a newfound power, and what what does Spider-Man say? With great power comes great responsibility, so there you go. We'll see what happens. There you go. Well, um, speaking of emotions, then we have Mr. Flatliner, Dustin Johnson, <laughs> going 80-80 to yeah. put himself out of the tournament. And, um, uh, you know, we know DJ just will kind of brush it off, and he tees it up again this week. He is, yes, he is the anti-George Spieth, Bryson DeChambeau, John. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you talk about... Uh, is there anyone. a pulse in there, DJ? Yeah, and, and it's I mean it's amazing that his last start was the Travelers, and his next start he shot eighty eighty. Right, and and then his next start is this week, and I heard this on the radio today, but I believe he is the favorite after going eighty eighty at wow. the three M. So again, tremendous talent. I, I've I've told this story, maybe I've told it to you. I asked in a formal poll, not on camera, just asked some guys, and I won't give their names. You know, it's probably. 12 15 of prominent players and i asked them i said outside of yourself what player when that player is on is the most intimidating and it was two players who and that they talked about and they said it's Roy mackerel and dustin johnson when those guys are on they're just about impossible to beat so he's just still got that natural talent he obviously has won uh this year again to keep this remarkable streak alive of winning once every year for at least 13 straight years now and so yeah i mean he's you know he's he's definitely cruising to the hall of fame he's got 20 plus wins he's got a major championship so i i'd expect him to to be honest with you i i'd expect him to be in the mix later this week there's just no doubt about it so talk to me and share with our listeners a little bit what it's like because you've been out there now two weeks back to back where there were just some incredible golf shots of the, you know, the finish on 18 uh, mm. between Justin and Colin. When, you know, we heard the, 
the most uh, primordial roar out of Justin Thomas when he sunk that 50-footer. Um, and then, you know, just the whole dynamics, you know, during the memorial, as, as Tiger mentioned, you know, not having those crowds around 18 green and, you know, his being back for the first time. What do you, what's, what's it like? You've been there. How does it feel? I mean, some of the players obviously adjusting, but to just not have the, I mean, the fan input provides pressure, especially on those closing holes when the tournament's well, tight. It's funny you say that because I go back to the playoff at the, at the Workday Charity Open. That wasn't this past week, but the previous week at Muirfield. And if you remember, like you mentioned, that roar that Justin Thomas gave, making that 50-foot 50 50 putt in the first playoff hole. And I I was just thinking as I was driving home away from the golf course, it was like if that amphitheater on 18 was filled with all these fans, what would that reaction be like? And not only that, secondly, what would that do to Colin Marikawa, who topped Justin by knocking in a 25-footer? Incredible. Playoff a lot. So, you know, there was there's no doubt about it. There would have been a dynamic that the crowd would have brought into that playoff, especially onto Colin Marikawa, after I think Justin would have shook the earth in Dublin, Ohio, after that 50-foot putt, and, and how that would have affected Colin's psyche, uh, not only watching the putt, but hearing the roar after. So, yeah, I mean, it's odd. It is really odd. It is really, really strange watching Tiger Woods, the greatest player of this generation, play four consecutive rounds with no fans. So it's just, you know, it's just the way it's going to be. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go to a major championship at the PGA and watch the same thing. So kind of accepted now i think the players have accepted it now um and we're just trying to get through it yeah absolutely um so brooks kepka uh says uh, still having some problems with the knee he shot 80 on the final round sunday uh, any update on brooks well i heard his, his knee feels better uh it actually felt better on sunday than it did saturday um yeah i i I talked to Brooks, and we had a. And your listeners can Google this. Uh, I at Riviera for Tigers event, the Genesis Open, and it was a we was we call in the business a walk and talk down the fairway, talking about his knee, and he shocked me when he said it was pretty bad, and my knee will probably never be the same. Wow! And, and you know, and to hear him say that, especially whether it's true or not, he believes it, and. If, given the medical technology we have, when they can put running backs out there and, you know, and compete, uh, I, I'm just surprised that, that there's nothing that they can do for Brooks to limit the pain. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's something that sounds like he's just going to have to deal with day to day, much like Tiger does, does with his back. Um, so <clears throat> I am concerned about the longevity of Brooks's career. Uh, and I'm sure he is too. Uh, and, you know, there may be a time where he says it's just a little too much, just as Tiger did, and he says, I'm going to have to take four or five months off to get this knee strengthened if I want to have a long career out here on the PGA Tour. Justin Thomas had to have his dad step in to caddy on Saturday because his caddy, um, what, was he experiencing some vertigo? or what's, what's... Well, I know it was heat. Um, it, it was the 11th green. Jimmy Johnson, his caddy, spoke to Justin and said, Man, I mean, now granted, that the heat indexes were around 100 degrees in Dublin, um, and Mr. Nicholas 
has all the caddies where not a bib, but what is kind of a, a some kind of like cloth shirt over yes. top of it. But it, it some some of the caddies call them a sweater because it's so hot. They yeah. feel like it's just yeah they don't like to wear it. That heavy um, cotton. Yeah, but Jimmy was was caddying and it was really hot. And he told Justin, he's like, "Hey man, I'm feeling dizzy. I don't know if it, I can make it." And Justin said, "Hey man, if you gotta go, you gotta go." And Justin walked off the eleventh green and came up to the tee, and his dad Mike was on the bag, who was a swing coach and and was following him. And not only did it do it Saturday, but he did it Sunday too. Mike was on the bag, so you know those things happen. You know, caddies don't feel well. Sometimes they'll they'll drop out, and a player will grab some fan in the in the crowd to caddy for them so yeah just happens and everything's fine now it sounds like well speaking of dropping out there is a wd uh for the 3m open um update us on that another player that tested positive with covid yeah i think it's grayson murray is that right yes grayson murray uh yeah again only the seventh player though we want to let our listeners know I think it's interesting, and I, I one of, probably the most interesting story outside of John Rahm assuming the number one spot in the world was the fact that there are players that played last week that are still testing positive for COVID-19. It's remarkable, wow. and I'll quickly try to explain this. So the PGA Tour is following the guidelines set by the CDC on those who are symptomatic and tests positive for COVID-19 in regards to them returning to work. So here's the policy. I'm just going to use a player, for example, but this also includes caddies. If a player tests positive for COVID-19 and has symptoms, well, if there's a 10-day period that has expired since the symptoms first occurred and... There is a 72-hour period where this player, slash caddy again, um, has no fever and doesn't have any respiratory issues like coughing or shortness of breath. Then that person can come back out on the PGA Tour even if they're testing positive. Now, you may be thinking, wait a minute, they're testing positive? Aren't they contagious? Well, according to the CDC, as long as they meet those criteria, again, 10 days since the first symptoms are gone, and 72 hours with no fever, no respiratory issues, they are not considered contagious. But the PGA Tour, out of an abundance of caution, caution, will only allow that person slash caddy to play or compete by themselves or with others like them. So you had on Saturday three players, Danny McCarthy, Dylan Fratelli, and Harris English, all three heading into Saturday continued to test positive and they played as a single, and not in front of everybody else. They played with those who had a like score like them, like Denny McCarthy was two under par. He went off in the tee time with everybody else who was two under par. He was just stuck by himself as a solo player between two twosomes. Oh, wow. So it's, you know, it's, it's a shifting thing on the PGA Tour, but I think they're doing it right. I'm glad they are, actually. Um, having some maneuverability with their protocols um, because this is just, this is a horrible virus that we continue to learn about. It seems like there's news each and every day, and the tour is following the CDC's guidelines. Well, speaking of that, we're two weeks away from the PGA Championship. To keep everybody up to date on our new schedule, and it will be the first major, and you have a story 
on golfchannel.com, golf.com, uh, about the PGA of America taking a hard line on COVID testing for the PGA Championship. Any update on that? Um, I mean, obviously, I would t- think they would take the lead from the PGA Tour, but they are a different governing body. Right. Well, they, I mean, they're, but they're following the guidelines from the CDC and also that they've been very observant of what the PGA Tour is doing. Um, I haven't heard whether they're going to test media members or officials, uh, volunteers, which they don't do on the PGA Tour. Um, the, I, I don't get tested at events, uh, nor do volunteers, just players, caddies, officials. Um, so we'll, ha- we'll have to see if they do that, I mean, it costs a lot of money to do that, to be honest. Right. Um, and if you, and if you were going to spend all that money in testing, which is, which I'm definitely not condemning, uh, I, I would condone it, but at the same time, they are trying to make money and they're not making any money on the gate or merchandise or concessions or parking or anything. So, you know, I'm interested to see how the PG of America handles it, but I think they'll do great. Uh, I think that they will, you know, and if, 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 media members or volunteers or whomever are not going to be tested, then I promise you there will be a bubble as it has been on the PGA Tour where we are required to socially distance, wear a mask, uh, not approach a player or or caddy. Uh, So I'm not worried about it. They'll do fine. And the media footprint is quite small right now, correct? Right. Well, it is now. You're right. I think only – no more than 40 media members, I believe, maybe 50 max. And that sounds like a lot, but it's not. That includes uh, like the television crew, et cetera? No, no, that okay. includes just general media. Uh, um, I'm talking about photographers, writers. Yeah, I mean, that's digital. That's, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I, I only think, I think 50 may be kind of an exaggeration. I think it's closer to 40. Um, so they're they're trying to keep a small print footprint, but at major championship, you know, you got media members coming from all over the world. Yeah, that was my so, next question. <laughs> yeah, I I'm not exactly sure how they're going to handle that, um, but I'll be interested to find out when I get there. <laughs> um, well, we know Tiger wasn't at his best, and yeah. um, you know, two weeks till the PGA Championship. Do you see him teeing it up? At the FedEx? At the PGA Championship? Uh, at the FedEx, actually. The, oh, at the, the FedEx. WGC. I don't know. Um, I would say if he missed the cut, which he barely made, um, that there would be a, a good chance that he's going to play in Memphis. But um, I'm just concerned about how, him doing two weeks in a row, um, what that does to his body, especially if they're in – you know, Memphis and San Fran are, are, you know, pretty good travel time. Um, and quite a difference uh, in temperature. Yeah, I and, and he doesn't really play well in cold, cool environments. So he hasn't as of late, I should say. Um, so I, if I had to, to make a wager, I would say he probably will not play Memphis. He may go out Saturday or Sunday to, to Harding Park, play a quick nine, see the golf course. Um, but at the same time, he admits he had competitive rust last week, which, you know, it's hard to hear sometimes the greatest player of our generation has competitive rust, but he, he hadn't played in five months and, you know, are four rounds enough 
since February to shake off the cobwebs and be ready to compete in a major championship. So, you know, he's in a tough dilemma. Do I protect my body and not play, or do I kind of push my body and try to get some experience of being in the mix? Because you play in Memphis, there is no cut. You are playing four rounds. That's right. Uh, so, you know, it, he, he's in a tough spot. I'm interested to see what he's going to do, but if uh, I would, I would be frankly surprised. I hope he does, but I'd be frankly surprised if he plays in Memphis. Well, they're teeing it up in Minnesota. Yeah. TPC, Twin Cities, going to be a little more wide open. These guys yep. can, uh, you know, sort of uh, hit away. Who are you? Uh, who you got your eye on, Todd? Well, I, you know, I, I am actually looking to see Dustin Johnson bounce back. But there, but I think there's another guy who's a world-class player that's going to be a threat, and that's Tommy Fleetwood. Um, Love Tommy. Been, Pour me a black and tan, yeah. Tommy Fleetwood. I think Tommy, he's been itching to play. He's been practicing a lot. He came over during quarantine. He went to uh, to the New York area and played. Shinnecock. Shinnecock. He played National. I think he played. I forget some other. I played Old Oldhead or something. He played these great golf courses up there. Um, shot sixty-four well. at Shinnecock. He loves yeah. that place. He shot sixty-two in the final round of the U.S. Open. There. That's right. So, um, so I think he, I think he's in pretty decent form and itching to play. Um, if I had to pick a wild card to look out for, because you know, outside of those two guys that I mentioned, you know, Brooks isn't playing that well. I, you know, he, had, you don't have a lot of great players there this is a chance for a young player as matthew wolf did last year to really emerge there's a guy who grew up in central florida i would keep my eye on who top 10 in his last start it wasn't at the memorial but it was at Muirfield at the workday charity open uh and he shot two sub 70 rounds to finish tied for 10th or tied for seventh excuse me and that is sam Ryder. Uh, who Seminole County, he seems like he might be ready to play and do something pretty, pretty nice. So I'd keep my eye on him. Gotta love his name, too. What a great golf name. Yeah. Sam Ryder. All right. I love that. Todd Lewis, thank you, as always. And um, we look forward to seeing you out in the beautiful Bay Area in a couple of weeks. You got it, Holly. Travel safely. Take care.